Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, don't you guys appreciate Garrett up here leading us? First time leading communion. Way to go, buddy. I love it. You could tell he was a little nervous, wasn't he? He's good. He's good. Hey, uh, I'm glad you're all here. Uh, my name is Richie, lead pastor, and I'm thankful that God got you in the room today. Thankful for these moments together. Don't you appreciate these worship guys leading us in worship today? Uh, we could put our hands together for them. They're, they worked hard uh, uh, all week long to be prepped for this moment together, and uh, God is using them. And uh, I'm thankful. Thankful for times and moments in the presence of God. I wanted to keep you in the loop. Uh, we've got a transition happening. Tyler, our youth director, has uh, resigned his position here on our team. And uh, him and his wife, Micaiah, have been a part of our church for several years. I mean, Tyler was a student in our youth ministry several years ago. And uh, we love those guys a ton. And we bless them as they go on these new adventures that God's got ahead of them. Um, and we are going to miss them. And at the same time, we know that God is uh, calling us as a church to continue to move forward and continue to love and lead young people here at our church. And so we are committed uh, to raising up and, and identifying, hiring the next replacement for him and uh, committed. We have an amazing youth team here uh, that is committed to your young people and committed to help continue discipling as we're in this transition, loving, leading your young people uh, to know and love Jesus. And so I'm really thankful for Tyler and Micaiah and uh, sad to see them go. And at the same time, I am so excited for the future that God has ahead of us as a church. And so if you see them today, this is their last Sunday here uh, with us. Tuesday will be Tyler's last Tuesday. Give them a hug. Uh, make sure you appreciate them, love them, honor them as they go, bless them as they go. Uh, but, but we're going to miss them. We're excited about the future. I wanted to celebrate with you as well uh, because God's just up to some cool stuff around here. And many of you have maybe sensed it and, and can feel what God is doing, but maybe just kind of just front row seat sometimes. It's just so, so amazing to see what God is up to. Last week we were leading 101, which is for everybody that's new to real life, we do this once a month. It's, a, it's like a 90-minute conversation about what we believe and where we're going as a church and what God has called us to and really trying to unify us as a team before we... You, you really wholeheartedly engage with us. It's just an awesome conversation. And uh, I always ask a question at 101, like kind of what church background do you come from? And it's always so amazing to me how God is so able to grow and build and, and put together his church. It's such a miracle to me. In that room, there's about 21 people that were attending uh, 101 plus our team and everybody else. But out of those 21, five or six people said, you know, this is my first church experience ever in my life. And, and, I, and I love that because God is just so evidently drawing people to himself around here. It's not like some slick thing that we did, you know, for people that are maybe, maybe new to Jesus or, or far from Jesus coming to understand who he is and wanting to be a part of his church. But it's just a miracle. One of the, one of the people that was kind of raised their hand and said that, uh, they were new to Jesus Church last week, Nathan, uh, he heard the gospel at, at the 101 class. We talked through baptism. He was baptized right after 101 last Sunday afternoon. I, I love that. I love seeing that. We got to baptize uh, more people last week. I'm, I'm hearing of other people saying they're going to get baptized today. Like lives being changed around here is why we do what we do. Uh, Jesus said, go reach the world one person at a time. And so that's what we are doing. And so when lives are changed like Nathan's, when so many people are being drawn to Jesus that way, I am so humbled and so thankful that we get to be a part of a miracle together. And I'm, I'm believing God's got you here for a reason today and he wants to speak uh, make himself known in your life today and so we're going to dive in together to our conversation if you've got a bible or a bible app on your phone would you open up to the book of john john chapter one is where we're going to be today uh, i'm going to tell you some of this story in here we'll break some of it down 
If you don't know where that's at, you can table of contents, Google it, uh, whatever you got to do to get to John chapter one. We'll have stuff on the screen as well, but I really want you to have something to write, to like notes, like kind of carry this with you out of this, this time together today. We started a conversation last week called More Than This. We're coming from a premise that we have a longing inside of us to live for something so much more than what we're currently experiencing. I believe that God put eternity in your heart. You are built for eternity. And each of us have souls that will live forever. And we long to have an eternal impact, a life that means something beyond just this life and so much more than just this, like the grind of daily, you know, just getting through an existence. We know that we are made for more. And so God, show us what that looks like. How do we live for more than this? How do we have, have our focus and our attention on more than this? And one of the pieces that we talked about last week is you gotta have vision. If you don't have vision, you're just drifting. You're just wandering through this life. And God has so clearly in scripture given us a clear direction for our lives, vision to reach this world, to see lives change, to be in a part of an eternal kingdom and lives being shaped for the glory and the purpose of God. But here's one of the things I know about me. It's probably similar for you is that just because I have direction doesn't mean I have motivation, inspiration. Doesn't mean I have like the fire and the passion to like get up and get after that vision, that mission every single day. Anybody in the room struggle with motivation in your life, okay? Yes, a few of all of us. All right, there, there's, there's just that thing, right? Just because I know where to go doesn't mean I actually want to get up and do it. I wanna get up and, and, and actually see this life become impactful and meaningful because life is hard and I get discouraged. I get, I get disillusioned by difficulties. Uh, I'm having a hard week or a hard day. Or if you're like me, I just get tired and the whole world seems like it's falling apart. Anybody else? Like, I need sleep. And, and if I don't sleep, man, it's just a hard day. And so I, uh, I wanna talk about this today. How do we have that, that, that motivation, that passion, that inspiration inside of us that keeps us taking one step at a time together. And um, I, I really believe that God wants to give you that today. And so let's pray. Let's ask him to meet us in this time. Just humble yourself before him as we pray and just ask him to meet you right where you are today. Let's pray. Lord, you see your church here today. You know every soul. You know every story. You know every struggle. You know, every bit of where we've been, where we are, what's happening, what's not happening in each of our lives, Lord. You've got a reason for every single one of us being here today, God. I believe that with all my heart. And so, God, make that evident. By your spirit, bring your word alive. By your grace, God, reveal your heart to each of us, Lord. Those in the room that are struggling and need encouragement today, God, be the lifter of their head. Those, God, that are that are really, um, God, just struggling with maybe difficulties that they're navigating, Lord, I pray that you just be their peace right now as we look to your word, that your word would just come alive. Those that need kind of to be um, picked up, God, pick them up in this time, Lord. We're trusting you to work powerfully. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. amen. I was thinking about this conversation. Mondays are like the worst for me. Uh, anybody, I mean, Mondays are kind of traditionally like Monday, right? Everybody struggles with Mondays maybe a little bit. Coming off of preaching and, and you know, doing all this stuff on a Sunday, the, the scientists say, not, not myself, but scientists say that like a given message like this burns about one day's worth of adrenaline. And uh, so I come into like Monday three days down, you know, because we do this three times on a Sunday and I don't really start to really feel kind of normal till about Wednesday-ish most weeks. And... Um, 
we work as a staff here on Mondays, and, and um, man, it's one of those days where it's just like lots of caffeine, lots of, of, of just kind of emotions. You ask my wife, she just kind of gives me some distance on Mondays sometimes, like, go to work, please, you know, and, and just go do that, you know, and, and I think that all of us have these kind of moments and these weak spots in our lives, in our, in our weeks where we're lacking motivation. It's just a grind to just get up and get after it again, and I want to speak to that today because I think that without a clear why in your heart, a, a passion, a fire burning inside you, many of us have all the greatest intentions of becoming who God made us to be and accomplishing the life that God wants us to accomplish. But, but without that, that real sense of urgency and burden and passion inside of us, it's just kind of like we find ourselves back to the, the base minimum of our lives and our existence, not really living for more than this. John chapter 1 we get to see a, a picture of where some guys start to get their why. They start to get this fire inside them. And uh, man, this fills me with fire. I think I blew 8.30 service away with kind of my intensity. And so I'm going to try to keep it dialed down, okay, with you guys at 10 o'clock. You're not supposed to clap to that, okay? But no, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, but I, but I, I just love this story because it just like fills me with so much passion inside of me. And and I want us to be a people that have a fire inside of us for the, the purpose of God, who he's called you to be, the life that he wants you to live. Man, I just ache and long for us to have that. In John chapter one, you see a really cool encounter. Starting in verse 19, and I'm not gonna read you this whole passage, but just give you the kind of the understanding of it. There's a guy named John the Baptist who's on the scene and John the Baptist has... Uh, been sent by God ahead of Jesus to prepare people's hearts for the arrival of the Messiah. The Baptist was kind of his title. His name's John. He's Jesus' actual cousin. And um, he's sent by God as a prophet to prepare people's hearts. And so he's kind of a, a, kind of a weird guy, actually. He lives out in the desert. He wears camel hair. He eats locusts and honey. He, he's just kind of like an odd duck a little bit. But he starts preaching and people start listening and he's calling everybody to repentance. You need to prepare your heart because God is about to move. God is about to show up. If you know history, these people had not heard from God in over 400 years. They knew God existed, but they hadn't experienced God in a real tangible way. And so John showing up in the desert preaching repentance is the first time for generations that these people have sensed like God moving in their midst. Really powerful. And so people are drawn. They're coming out to see John in the desert and he's baptizing people saying, hey, you got to get baptized. You got to get your heart repentant and right because Jesus is coming. So the Pharisees, they send, these are religious leaders, they send some guys out to investigate. Who are you? Well, I'm John. Well, are you like, are you like a prophet? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that all these guys told us to, to wait for and to look for? Who are you? And he's, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. He's coming after me. And I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. He is so much greater than me. But, but I'm sent early. I'm sent as like this forerunner. He says, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way. And so they take this back to their leaders. And the next day, John is there in the desert baptizing people and he sees Jesus. And he says to the crowd around him, look, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He knows who Jesus is because he had just baptized Jesus uh, in, in the same river where he's baptizing everybody else. And in that moment when John baptized Jesus, a, a 
heaven opened and a dove came down out of heaven, landed on Jesus, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And John is testifying in John 1 here to everybody around here, that's the Lamb of God, that's the Son of God, that's the one whose sandals I'm not worthy to even tie. The next day, John is with some of his disciples and he sees Jesus again. And he says to his disciples, look, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And John's disciples actually leave John the Baptist. These are guys that have been following John diligently under his teaching. Uh, in that tradition, there's a rabbi, a teacher, a leader. And, and these guys come underneath his teaching and follow him everywhere he goes. And they're, they're like his disciples, his pupils. And right, they leave John the Baptist and go and begin to follow Jesus. And they're, they're coming after Jesus in a way that, that Jesus actually notices them behind him. And he's like, hey, what are you guys seeking? What do you want? And they say, well, well, where are you staying, teacher, rabbi, leader? Where are you staying? Come on, Jesus says, I'll show you. In this story, you see then that moment. They stay the night there with Jesus. And then they begin encountering Jesus in such a powerful way that now they start to get moved with this heart that says, you know what, um, Philip or Andrew is one of those guys and Andrew has a brother named Simon and he goes to Simon, his brother, and he goes, you gotta come and see. We found the one, the one that we've been waiting for, the one, the Messiah, we found him. You gotta come see who he is. This is the one. Another one, uh, Philip, he goes and finds his friend Nathaniel and he gets him and he's like, you gotta come. We found the guy, he's from Nazareth and you gotta know this guy. And, and Nathaniel comes and Jesus tells him everything that he's ever done and he's just like blown away like, oh, this is, this, this is the Lamb of God, this is God himself. And I love this story because in this story you see this picture of these, these men being encountered in the presence of Jesus, and it begins to change the way they live this life. And there's this sense of passion that rises up inside them to be a part of something so much greater than themselves. They may have known what the vision, the mission was for their life, but until this moment, they actually didn't, didn't actually act on it and begin to do something about that. Look at John 1 verse 35 with me. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? That's a really important question. Like Jesus himself even asking you today, what are you seeking? Why are you here today? Why are you in this room? What are you looking for? What are you hungering for? What are you desiring inside your soul? Like, what is it that you're doing? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. So they're acknowledging who Jesus is, that he's an authority, he's a leader. Where are you staying? There's this sense of like, we wanna be where you are. We wanna be with you. We wanna be under you. You're a rabbi, we wanna be your disciples. And he said to them, come and you will see. And so they came and saw where Jesus was staying. They stayed with him that day. For it's about the 10th hour. If you want this passion for vision in your life, you want motivation, you want a fire burning inside of you, you and I gotta learn to pursue Jesus the way these guys pursued Jesus. If you're thinking about how do I wake up on those hard Mondays and get after the things of God, 
it starts always in the presence of Jesus. Passion in your soul does not come from you white-knuckling your way through this religious spiritual life. It will only come in the presence of Jesus, pursuing Jesus. I love how simple this passage is that these guys leave John the Baptist, their, their teacher, their leader. See, many of us have people speaking into our lives. Some of them aren't bad. John the Baptist wasn't a bad leader, but he was incomplete. He wasn't the son of God. And you have voices in your life. You have people that you're listening to, um, things that you're watching. You have teachers and teachings in your life that are, that, that are governing your decisions and your process of life. And I love that these guys intentionally leave their old teacher and they begin to embed their lives with the authority, with the, the leader of all leaders, the king of all kings, Jesus here in this moment. See, this is a picture for us to learn from of what do you, where do I get passion from, Richie? From Jesus, from the presence of Jesus, an encounter with Jesus. And I, I wanna caution you in this because many of us might hear this and kind of write this conversation off like, well, of course, you're a pastor. You should tell me to, to spend time with Jesus, Richie. But what I'm talking about is not just knowing Jesus, knowing uh, concepts about Jesus, knowing truth about Jesus, like all of that is essential. But I'm, I'm asking us to consider how well do you actually know Jesus, like face-to-face, -face encounter, presence, time with Jesus. Because it is there in his presence that you are filled with passion, motivation, courage, faith, like, like the ability to endure, to get up again and keep going, to sense like a responsibility and a calling and an urgency inside of you to get back up and keep going to become who God made you to be. You are made for so much more than, than, than the life maybe that you've kind of built for yourself or dreamed of even for yourself. God has so many plans for your life, but you will not get there if you don't get up every single day and really encounter Jesus in a real, personal, powerful way. Some of us have made Jesus just a bunch of ideas that we agree with a value system that we like. He is not a value system for you to kind of adhere to. He is God himself. And he came to earth on purpose. I want you to think about this. Up to this point in human history, God had been at a distance. He had spoken through prophets. Uh, people would encounter him through a priest. People lived vicariously through someone else to get to God. And now God himself was stepping into our world, into our planet, walking in our shoes, tempted and tried in every way that we've been tempted and tried. And, and experiencing the difficulties that you're experiencing right now. And I love this because God was not content to stay at a distance from his creation, the ones whom he loves, the ones whom he wants relationship with. Relationship with God is only possible when you and I become perfect, when we are made perfect right before God in his sight. He is the judge of all creation. And when he looks at your life, he judges your character, your motives, your thoughts, your words, every bit of it. And every single one of us falls short of God's standard, which is perfection. 
This is why God sent his son Jesus, right? To earth, to walk in our shoes, remain without sin. He, he was tempted, but was sinless. And he was willing to substitute his perfection for all of our imperfection, to give up his life and pay the penalty of our sin so that we could be made right with God. Like what a gift that Jesus would die on our behalf, carry the weight of our punishment on him and, and make it possible for us to be perfect and made right with God. What a gift. Don't let the good news of Jesus Christ just be something you agree with, you, you like. Like, for me, this is where the word pursue becomes so powerful in this conversation. These guys don't just casually follow Jesus at a distance. Like, oh, I like him. I agree with him. Let's see what he's up to tomorrow. Where are you staying tonight, Jesus, right? I want to get in your house. I want to get in your presence. I want to get where you are. I want to learn from you, experience you, know you, understand you. I want to see what makes you smile. I want to see what makes you cry. God, I want to, I want to be in your presence. And I, I, I want us to just hear this. Like this is an actual experience with the king of the universe, this is not just a list of things to do and don't do and a bunch of knowledge to accumulate, which knowledge is important. Obedience to God's commands is essential. I'm not diminishing that. But what I don't want you to do is stop short with just knowledge, with just an understanding of what you should do and shouldn't do. What I want you to experience is Jesus himself because it's in his presence that we're changed forever. It's in his presence that we're filled with fire, with passion, with hunger, with urgency. There's so much that only God can do in your life when you are in his presence, when you experience him in a real and a powerful voice. It's in his presence that you know his voice, you hear his voice, you have the ability to discern his leading in your life. Like God has a vision for your life, but, but if you don't know his voice, you're not gonna take the steps he's asking you to take, to, to get on the path that he's calling you to go. I love in this story the proximity, right? Jesus is almost interrupted. Like, what are you guys, what are you after here? What do you guys want? It's like he's on his way to wherever he's going and they, they, they're like, I want to be with you. I want to be where you are. In this, in this ancient day, there's these rabbis with disciples and there's this understanding that, that if you're a real disciple of that rabbi, that the dust from his shoes should get on your clothes. Think of the proximity. It's not like, I'll get around to Jesus when I get around to him, when I can fit him into my life. Oh, Rachel, I'm just so busy. I'm just so full. Life is just so full right now. Like all of us have said all of these things, and I'm just like you in that. But I love the proximity of like, you know what? His dust should stick to my robe, to my clothes. That kind of proximity. I saw a bumper sticker in my neighborhood that said, do you follow Jesus this close? I don't know how I saw it, but it was just there, you know? It was, <laughs> it was in tiny font, you know? I'm like, <laughs> uh, not convicting at all, but it was just like, it was one of those questions, you know, like, like how, what is your proximity to Jesus? Are you, are you content to be at a distance and just know about him? Have other people experience him for you and tell, tell you about their experience? This is dangerous for many of us. This is our Christianity is, is what some leader online says about Jesus, not what you know of Jesus personally. Some guy standing up here saying what he thinks about his time with Jesus when, when the God of the universe wants to meet you 
in his presence. He wants to draw you in, heal, change, shape you, mold you for his purposes. But it takes you being hungry enough, passionate enough to get in his presence, to get after him. John chapter 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He's like, I'm a, I'm a grape vine and you're just a branch off, a shoot off of this, this vine. Think of a trunk of a tree and a branch connected to it. This is kind of the image he's painting for his disciples. He says, if you remain in me, abide in me, if you connect with me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He's not saying you can do nothing. What he's saying is you can do nothing of eternal value, nothing of of the mission, the vision that God has for your life. Or you can do a lot. Like that's the world's trap, right? Is to get you to accomplish a lot, be busy a lot, be consumed by a lot, but not the most essential thing, the eternal thing, the thing that you're made for. You are built for eternity. And we get duped into thinking like, I can just deal with temporary worldly things all the time and not actually spend time in the presence of the eternal living God who is going to shape me for eternal purposes that he has for this life. Do not allow this world or the enemy to trick you and and to keep you separated. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. It's all about staying abiding, connecting, it is in his house, right? Not at a distance, close, proximity. I love the proximity and I love the relationship. He's authority, he's the teacher, he's the rabbi, but he's also the friend. He's also the one that you get to, you're staying at his house, guys, like you're, you're around him. You get to, you get to know what, what, what he's like and what he's like, what is he like when he's tired in the morning? Like, you know, does Jesus get sleep in his, like, what is that? Like, what is he really like? And I think the relationship is, is so essential, this whole conversation, the proximity, but also the relationship. But this is so cool. I'm running super out of time, so I need to keep moving, okay? I could preach this for the rest of my life, just so you know, this is where I'm coming from, uh, Listen to what happens in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Come on, Philip. I want you to come be a part of my my team, my family. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, these guys that were also now becoming disciples of Jesus. And Philip, he went there and he found Nathanael. This is his friend. And he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. Nathaniel says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, I want you to think about your least favorite part of Spokane, right? Like, we all got it. Right? Some of you are like, can anything good come from the South Hill? Or like, whatever, you know, like you've got, I, I love the South Hill. Yeah, you, you know, you've all got these different parts that, that we've got. And that's how Nathaniel is with Nazareth, right? Can God do anything great out of that part of our, our town? Philip said to him, I love this. Philip says, come and see. See, our pursuit of Jesus fills us with a compassion for other people to experience the same thing we're experiencing. As we pursue Jesus, then we begin to pursue people. As as we get close to Jesus, his heart and his desire for other people to experience who he is and the work that he's doing and the things that he loves begins to flow out of our lives to the people around us. Nathaniel, you got, ob- you got objections, you got concerns about Jesus coming from Nazareth. I'm not gonna convince you that you're wrong, Nathaniel, or that you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, just come and see. 
I love this. This is, this is what it looks like for us to wake up every single day with a sense of urgency and passion inside of us to, to get on mission with Jesus, a fire burning inside of us. When we get into his presence, then he begins to fill us with his love and that love overflows out of us to a compassion for people around us to come and see, you gotta experience what I'm experiencing. And our pursuit of people is just this simple. It's an overflowing compassion because of the love of God being poured into our lives when we are in the presence of God himself. Man, the people around us, we start to see them differently and the invitations just start to flow. Come and see. You gotta come experience what I'm experiencing, the love that God is pouring into me, the grace that he's given me, the way he's changing me. You gotta experience the same thing. Come on, Nathaniel. See, our, our pursuit of Jesus then leads us to, to a pursuit of people. When I think about you and I having an undying fire inside of us to become the men and women that God made us to be, this is where it comes from right here. Your pursuit of Jesus, your, your intentional pursuit of people. For years and years, as we've led this church and God has given us just so much grace to be here, so many times I've been tempted to try to make this church what it, I think it needs to be or whatever. And Jesus has so graciously always just drawn me back to the simplicity of this conversation right here that we're having today. It's always been and always will be about Jesus and people. This life, this ministry, this church, your life, your purpose, your fire, your passion, when you are focused on Jesus and people, Man, there's just an internal flame inside you that burns with motivation, with passion, with urgency, with desire to see lives impacted and changed. Like eternity starts to just move in your heart. That's what I long for for us as a church. To not just drift through this life and kind of bumble through some sort of religious experience, but to actually have real, powerful, life-changing encounters with the Son of God, Jesus himself, and allow him to change you and fill you with a love for people all around you. And this is, this is what God wants of our lives and for our lives. You got to go to work. You got to go to school. You got to do all of this life. I'm not minimizing any of that, but I'm saying in the midst of all of that, this is what it looks like for you to get up and do it again and keep after the life that God has called you to and made you for, to keep eternity in sight, to keep more than this in your, your heart and perspective. It, it takes this intentional pursuit of Jesus, which overflows into a pursuit of people. I'll give you a couple of pieces here before we wrap up. If you're asking, Richie, this is good. I'm inspired, I'm motivated, let's do this thing. How do I do it? How do I pursue Jesus? Simple. Not easy, but simple. Get up every single day and begin your day in the truth of God's word. You have lots of people trying to speak into your life and tell you what's true. Many of you are new to Jesus and to his church and you have lots of kind of fragments of truth from your story that you're trying to filter through. And the only way to filter through those fragments is to know the truth. And so you want to get to know Jesus, get to know him for who he is. The four gospels are the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus. Like what an amazing place to start right here in the book of John, right? That you could just read a chapter a day and spend time in the presence of Jesus, asking him to speak to you, reveal next steps to you, and, and, and begin to learn and discern his voice and his leadership in your life. 
If you would begin there, just the chapter a day, and then begin to pray out of that, man, you'll start to experience the presence of Jesus in a real and a powerful way. Other thing I would say is this, is that as you identify truth, begin to speak that truth over your life and over your family. You have old versions or broken versions of truth and lies that have led your life. Maybe your past is just filled with lies. You've gotta begin to intentionally replace those, those lies with truth. Speak them over your life, speak them over your kids, over your future what God has said about you, the way he sees you, not the way your, your, you know, those previous people saw you, but the way God sees you. I'll say this, intentionally fasting is so important for you to pursue Jesus, to experience his presence in a real way. That means denying yourself food, multiple meals, a whole day, multiple days, where you are actually putting your body in a physical posture where you, you need something, right? You need food. You're like, Send me without a meal and you'll find out real quick how much I need food, right? What this does is it stirs your affection for the things that are eternal. If you don't fast, you don't have that hunger that's stirring inside you for eternity and a recognition of how dependent you are for God to show up in your life in a real and a powerful way. And you need to intentionally put yourself in a place of hunger to pursue Jesus. The last thing I would say about pursuing Jesus is this, is when he speaks, obey. Some of you feel like God is distant from you. For some of us, this is why, because God has spoken to us and we didn't obey. And maybe it was months ago, weeks ago, maybe it was years ago that God spoke to you and you've been walking in disobedience to the last thing he said. And so God feels far off, but it's really us that have drifted off from the leadership of God in our lives. And for you and I to grow in intimacy and connection with Jesus is to be obedient to his leadership in our lives. The pathway to intimacy with Jesus is obedience to Jesus. And the more obedient you are, the more mature you become. Like you mature at the rate of your obedience to Jesus in this life. So if you want to experience the presence of Jesus, obey him when he speaks to you. He speaks through his word. He speaks through other Christians. He, he speaks in so many powerful ways, but obey when he speaks. How do I pursue people? Richie. One, I would say this, pray. Pray for people in your life that are far from Jesus. Pray that God would use you like we do in communion every week. Pray that God would speak to them, that he would draw them to himself. I share you Nathan's story because it is evident that God is drawing people around here to himself. You're probably sitting by people that have questions about Jesus and you might have opportunities if you would just kind of look around you. Sometimes our life is so tunnel vision. What's in it for me and what do I need and how hard my thing is? Like sometimes the greatest thing we could do is just lift our heads, look around us and see the people around us and wonder what is God doing in their life? That's the pursuit of people. It's just curiosity about what God is doing in their life. He might show you. You might be able to actually join God at work in their life. I love the simplicity in this story of come and see. There's things God's doing in you. Just sharing those with the people around you and saying, God, you got to experience Jesus too. You got to know this God that I'm getting to know. See, this is, this is my, my hope in this conversation today is that this is who we are becoming people with a passion, a 
clear sense of why, motivation inside of our hearts to become the men and women that God has called us to be, to take the steps that he's calling us to take. And, and we need to stoke that fire inside of our souls because for some of us, it's out, it's dim, it's just an ember. And, and God got you here today to begin to fan that flame inside your heart that says, you know what? I have not been on mission. I have not been who Jesus has asked me to be and I wanna become the man, the woman that he has called me to be, the dad, the mom, the, the, the friend that he has called me to be with all my heart that God got you here so that you can begin today to pursue Jesus with all your heart. That you can take the steps that you need to take today to begin to walk towards this intimate, passionate relationship with Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give you a few minutes here to pray. Maybe in this moment of prayer, I'm just gonna lead, lead us through this time of prayer. Maybe you need to stand to your feet just in a, in a posture of like hunger for God. Maybe you need to get on your knees. Maybe you wanna stay right where you're sitting right now, but I just wanna ask you to just begin to stir your heart and your affection for the presence of Jesus. Just in your own heart and your own words right now, just begin to pray. God, I need you, I desire you. I long for your presence to be where you are, Jesus. Just ask him for a hunger. If you don't even feel a hunger, God, I, I want a hunger for you. I want to desire you. I want to know your presence and experience you in a real and a powerful way. Just ask him for it right now. God, we long for your presence. We long for intimacy with you, Jesus. God, forgive us for the places that we've been complacent or lazy or disconnected and just allowed ourselves to drift off and lose the fire in our souls, God. Maybe some in the room have never known you and known your presence, God, and you're drawing them right now to a place of repentance and humility before you, God. We hunger for you in your presence, God. Jesus, we wanna be led by you. We wanna hear your voice. We wanna know your leadership, God. We long for your presence as your church, as your people, God. Would you speak? God, we seek you today. God, we long to be a people who are consumed with a fire burning inside of us for, for you, for the people around us, God. Just can't help but think about everyone in this room that you would just grant favor, God, with the relationships that you've given us, an opportunity, and eyes to see where you're working, God, and the people around us, God, that need your love and your compassion, Lord, would you just, just give us your eyes in this pursuit of people, God, that just, just fills our hearts, God, with a sense of urgency and, and passion, Lord. I pray that as a church, we would just be filled with this hunger inside of us, God. We seek you, Jesus. Oh, we seek you, God. Not to just know about you, Jesus, but to encounter you, to experience you, to be with you, God. Thank you. 